Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Lee Rosenberg, and I'm a community member here at Commonwealth. Um, and it brings me great pleasure tonight to have the honor of being able to introduce Miosh and Kelly, um, who will be leading this evening's workshop. Um, I just wanted to start and just give the Miosh's basic bio so you know a little bit about her. Um, she attended her first meditation retreat in 1975 um, and has been practicing intensively for many, many years. Um, she lived at Insight Meditation Society for 15 years, and about 57 of which she was the uh, resident uh, teacher at the Forest Refuge there, working with people on long-term retreat. Um, and she also has been a long-time student of uh, Minya Rinpoche, who um, is the head of the Tergar community, Tergar meditation community, where Miyoshin is um, a teacher there, helping uh, these programs there internationally and also here as well. So that's the basic bio, <laughs> and we're very happy to have you here. But the reason I wanted to, um, what, the reason I asked Mark if I could do the um, introduction from Miyoshin is that she's also become a very beloved teacher to me in the last couple of years. So I want to just express a little bit about um, some of the qualities that I see that inspire me um, in hopes that they will also inspire you tonight. Um, first of all, I think the uh, thing that is so striking about Miyoshin is um, her very wide open, compassionate heart space um, that really seems like it makes it um, okay to be however you are, to feel whatever you feel, um, and it's a great gift that comes through, comes to us through her. Um, her teachings feel infinitely practical to me, um, and are really grounded in all the years and hours and perhaps lifetimes of practice. <laughs> um, I think that you can just get a sense of um, there's a way in which she um, invites us to look and see what's working and what's not working and put it all on the table and just you know, take what works and uh, just really let, let our intuition guide us. So I think that's something that really I've grown to appreciate. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention is just a sense of joy and lightness that she brings to the practice and a, almost a contagious enthusiasm for, for sharing the demo better. So, Thank you so much, Nyoshin, for being here, and also to Mark for um, always making sure that we are exposed at Common Ground to the uh, teachings that come through in many different personalities in many different ways. Thank you. Well, thank you, Lee, and thank you all for coming. I'm so delighted, as always. I think I say this every time I come here, but it, it's just such a wonderful center to work, to be in. It, is the sound okay? It, a little bit low? A little louder. A little louder, okay, yeah. Great, thank you. Yeah, um, as Lee said, that I used to live 
and work at IMS for a number of years and at the Force Refuge. And, and just walking in the door here, I came with a friend and I just turned to her and I said, City Refuge. <laughs> it's so wonderful to walk in here. And tonight I'm really happy to be coming and sharing with you a practice that I have found so valuable and so pertinent to the time that we live in in the world. And this is really around awakening compassion and really being able to stand with suffering in an open-hearted and courageous way in a world that is often in struggle and distress. That, you know, as human beings, we, in this day and age where we can turn on the TV and see what's happening in split seconds on the other side of the world, or, you know, the internet, we're just so connected. and. We can look at that and go, whoa, massive suffering. And it's pretty painful. And so, you know, somewhere, how do we stand in life, in the midst of life, with an open-heartedness and a fearlessness? And this is really around what this practice is about. Um, and it, I know here that you are, you get wonderful teachings on loving kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity, you know, the Brahma Viharas, and uh, very steeped in these practices. And the practice we'll be doing tonight is a bringing together of all of these practices into one practice called Tonglen, or sending and taking. And it's really about being able to, to take in the suffering of the world and sending out joy and happiness. Um, but before we really move into that, I thought maybe we could sit for just about 10 minutes just to arrive. I always think after a busy day in the world that it's really nice just to settle a little bit. And so since I'm going to be guiding the other meditations, this is going to be done more in a workshop format while I will offer a few different ways of doing the practice as we go throughout the evening. And through those meditations, I'll be talking, so I'm going to let you be alone right now. <laughs> so we'll sit for about 10 minutes. How many people here have a regular meditation practice? <coughs> and how many people have done the practices of loving kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity? Great. Okay. So, in exploring Tonglen or sending and taking practice, 
we really rely on uh, a mindfulness or awareness-based practice because the practice itself is quite radical in a sense. It is quite a strong practice. And so it requires that we know how to be with emotion, that we know how to not be thrown about, defined, and of course we always get caught in different moments, doesn't mean you have to uh, always be stable, but that, that you actually have a sense of to how to let the mind be when it gets caught or when it's in tumultuous states. And so if you are not familiar with awareness, practice, mindfulness, um, you haven't done loving kindness, compassion, I would just recommend before you delve totally into this practice that you explore these other practices because they will make it, uh, help it to be fruitful. And, um, but I think there's still something in the whole way that this practice is that is a really helpful piece of being able to know that when there is pain, distress, when um, we're unhappy in whatever way, that there is also the potential for freedom. And that so many habits in our life are to turn away from that which is painful and to go after that which is pleasurable. And so this practice takes us into a way of being where we don't have to run. We don't have to be afraid. That we find that you know we are, our hearts can actually open, soften, be present with, be engaged. And a big central theme in this uh, is around the qualities of loving kindness and compassion, which is really in our lives our desire to be happy and to be free from suffering. You know, so loving kindness is based in this uh, you know, benevolence of heart that is wanting to be happy. And in fact, we know, even though it, sometimes the voice is muffled, we know it's possible or we wouldn't always be seeking it in our lives. And so it, it's a really natural impulse that runs us moment to moment. I mean, just even as we sit here, um, we, we, we find a real blend of loving kindness and compassion where, you know, we want to sit down and we want to sit in the most comfortable way we can. You know, we want to be happy. And um, if our, our leg starts to hurt and we, we start to not want to be in pain, you know, it's a desire to be free from suffering, compassion. And so, you know, even in the blinking of our eyes, you know, if we don't blink our eyes, that they'll get dry and irritated. So the blinking of our eyes it can be motivated by this desire to be happy, to be free from suffering. And so with these qualities, we start to see that actually they're with us all the time, but we don't recognize them. And yes, many times we seek happiness in a misguided way, or our desire to be free from suffering is to get rid of that person that irritates me. <laughs> and so it might not be so skillful. It's not always guided by the voice of wisdom, but the impulse is really wholesome in itself. You know, I often think of that as being our homing instinct. And it's really through the mindfulness or awareness practice that allows us to settle back and to see this 
and to be present with the totality of life. And that's where we start to see loving kindness and compassion and the joy that comes in seeing this. And the, the wisdom of the mind really comes into fruition where we aren't thrown about in that sea of life by our preferences, what we like, what we don't like, but can really settle back and see things as they are. And so with this practice of Tonglen, we are motivated by both loving kindness and compassion. You know, the, the caring that for the welfare of others, that they be happy in their lives, that they be free from suffering, the compassion. And we start to really develop an empathetic relationship with life where it starts to break down the boundaries of me who is separate, me who is isolated, or my happiness and I need to hang on to and protect this. Rather, instead, opening up to a shared humanness or shared living beingness where we include all life. And so it helps to really break down the barriers of separation that keep us feeling isolated, that keep us living a fragmented life, that can be a very painful reality to be living in. And so through the practice, we um, will be using an element of visualization where we will imagine either ourselves in a difficult situa situation. We'll also move on to working with somebody we know who's in a difficult situation. And then we'll at one point be moving to the suffering of all beings. And so we use the mind, in the conceptual mind, in a helpful way. You know, in a way that really takes us towards the, the, the nurturing of these qualities. And so, you know, as we're breathing in the suffering of the world, this is really an expression of compassion. You know, we're, we're drawing into ourselves the suffering that we connect with. Well, you know, some of us will connect more with a feeling of the suffering in the world. Some people might connect more with a visual image. Um, but we're drawing that in, and so this is compassion. And as we do so, we have a sense that we're alleviating the suffering of beings. And out of that, there's a joy, a rejoicing. And so this is the element of, um, sometimes it's called sympathetic joy, appreciative joy, where we are rejoicing in the qualities of goodness, rejoicing in virtue, rejoicing in the fact that we all have the capacity to be free from suffering. And so as we breathe it in, the alleviation, we get a sense that we're alleviating it by breathing it in. And then the joy, and then we send out all of that happiness, all of our present moment joy out into the world. And this is the loving kindness aspect of it. And the equanimity plays into it in that we are able to do this to immeasurable beings without being caught in our likes and our dislikes. You're worthy of this, you are not. But that we can actually open our hearts to all beings everywhere. 
And so this is how the loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity all come together in this one practice. In just a couple minutes, we're going to do the first portion of this, where we are going to work with ourselves, where we will imagine ourselves in a past situation where we had some distress in our lives, uh, or in a future situation um, that maybe is something you have some trepidation about doing. So maybe tomorrow you're going for a job interview and you felt like in the past job interviews have been torturous or you, know, you, you don't feel like you do well in that environment or maybe there's somebody you had difficulty with in the past and you're meeting them tomorrow and there's just some element of um, fear or something that feels challenging to you. So what we'll do is we will imagine ourselves in either the past situation or the future situation, connect with the element of suffering that is within that. And then as we do that, we're going to imagine, and this is where we're using our imagination, we're using our memory to eat, to help us to connect with these qualities. So we imagine that we're breathing, as we breathe in, that we're taking in that suffering in the form of dark, smoky light. And we breathe that into it, into ourselves. And we can just let that be breathing in as if, you know, the heart is just open, spacious. It's not that you have to hang on to it. It's almost like it dissipates in the openness of the heart. So you breathe in the suffering. And then you just can reflect for a moment on the alleviation of that suffering. And then with that, just the rejoicing. You know, that, that... we're able to work in this way, to be of service, to be of help in this way. And then as you breathe out, in the form of a bright white light, you breathe out all of your present moment happiness and joy. And that can be towards yourself in the past or towards yourself in the future. So we're using imagination here. And I want to say that this is a practice that's not so helpful to think, What am I breathing in here? To try and analyze it and figure out. This practice really works well as a visualization. And I found it really helpful beginning with my, in in a way that I could connect with fear. That's what I was working with. (laughs) I just gave away my secret. (laughs) But um, to really, sorry, yes, okay, I'll give the exact example. I was breathing in a fear that I had in the past. And so breathing it in and then feeling that sense of rejoicing. So just imagine, you're imagining this and then breathing out the joy. And, you know, it was just astounding to me to see how helpful that visualization was. And I want to say, talk a little bit about the word visualization too because it tends to be that for many of us, we hear visualization and we try and solidify something to get a you know exact image of myself in the past and hold on to that and then it's got to be dark smoky light oh it's too it's too light in color I need to darken it up a bit and, you know we get all fidgety or um, struggle with trying to get this element of visualization right 
and that you know it's more uh, it's you don't have to do it that way and actually imagination is something we use all the time in our lives you know we imagine what we're going to do when we get home we imagine what we're going to do tomorrow we imagine what we're going to do um, all the time you know it's just over and over we use imagination we imagine what we're going to do at work how we're going to it's just a process of the mind and so here we're bringing it into a skillful means and so with this imagination for to get a sense of how natural it is just imagine that you are in your bedroom at home right now does it take very much to imagine that? No. No. It's quite, you know, it's just like someone says, you're at home and you pick yourself at home in your room and you're there. But you don't have to fix it. You don't have to then, okay, well, I'm sitting looking out the window in my room and that's the only place I can look and I need to hang on tightly because that's just going to tighten this up. So you can let it be somewhat fluid. The image might get strong, it might disappear. Um, some of us might have more of this feeling sense where we picture ourselves in a difficult situation and we remember in the body or a contraction of heart what that felt like. You know how it was like a feeling of shutting down, I can't stand this, I hate this. You've got your connection. Don't, don't, you don't have to foster it in another way that it, um, sometimes mental images of, of the picture, the situation we were in, will be what we'll connect with. You know, so just let it be, and it might be a combination of all of that. So that's what we're looking to connect with, and the sense of discomfort that we had, or we think we'll have. You know, for, for some of us, we live very future-orientated, and so it's easier to connect with, oh, my God, I have to do that tomorrow. I don't know if I can. You know, or, or um, just some struggle that, wow, I don't have a job, or, or you know, um, I'm, I'm short on cash right now, whatever it might be, some difficulty, but feeling the anguish that's there with that. And so, any questions about this just before we launch into doing it together? So are we ready to take this journey? <laughs> I want to say with it that we each time we do a session, it will be about 10 minutes. What you can do is to do the visualization for a while, and then if it feels too much, just rest. Or if you start to get a strong feeling of that feels really uncomfortable, just rest. Let the mind be. You can use that emotion for support if you want to, um, or just a sense of resting and just being present. So you can go back and forth between the two. Some of you might just stay with it. It, it just it's different for each of us and different at different times. At the beginning of any session of doing this, it's really helpful to let the mind rest, be natural, just be aware, and be undistracted. And then 
as I give the instruction, you can just follow the instruction and then in between times going back and forth as you feel to. Okay, so... Just letting the mind rest in presence, awareness, mindfulness. And then bringing to mind either a past situation or the anticipation of a future situation which seems challenging or there's some difficulty around. Just connecting with the feelings of distress, uncomfortableness. And just in the scene of that, having the sense as you breathe in, in this dark, smoky light, that you're breathing in the suffering from this situation. And in doing so, (coughs) rejoicing in the alleviation of this. And then sending out to this image of yourself as you breathe out a bright light that has within it all of your present moment happiness. Breathing in again, all of the suffering in this dark, smoky light. Breathing it deeply. Rejoicing sending out in the bright white light a sense of well-being, joy. Just continuing this cycle of breathing in, the suffering, rejoicing, breathing out, 
the joy, well-being, light. And then letting go of any sense of trying to do anything and simply be present. If any feelings, emotions have been stirred up, you can simply be aware of them. Letting everything be as it is.
does anybody want to share something of your experience in doing this? Yeah. Oh, sorry, you're stretching. Sorry. I felt um, overbalanced on the negative. I felt like I was breathing in such, I was breathing in air pollution and having a hard time cleaning out my lungs. Uh-huh. And I did find occasionally a light, but it was, you didn't feel in any way natural or because of there. I had to sort of find, you know, make it up. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was very definitely heavy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's saying that it was heavy for her. Maybe I'll just hear a few comments and then I'll come back to speak more generally. Anyone? Yes. Everybody here? get a driver's license for this practice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, over this way. Anyone? Oh, yes. Okay. I know target, what I was trying to think of. Uh-huh. So, different situations? So I kind of worked with one uh-huh. for 30 seconds and then the 
together until it sort of got them going. Yeah. And then over time, I was able to really find that with some sort of community or case for them both. Uh-huh. And um, Yeah. That's actually, um, a re- so he, he did it in pieces because it was too much to try and stay with each breath and breathing in and the visualization and the, you know, you're just getting the visualization and the breath ends. And, um, so it can be really helpful to spend time, you know, first breathing in uh, and just getting that visual image, breathing in the suffering, the dark smoky light or the emotion that you feel. Um, and then spend some time just breathing out. And because there is, there's, there's mechanics to this, and it takes time to get it. But we, we do find with time that that starts to come with much more ease. So that's great what you did. It's a recommended way of doing it. You do want to, um, some people find that they like one aspect of it, and so they start breathing in all the time, or they start breathing out all the time. <laughs> it is helpful at some point to marry them. But, you know, like each of us, different amounts of time till we really feel that connection, and that it doesn't feel overwhelming to try and do it all. Y- yes? Um, I, I was noticing that for me, having this, you know, in and out, taking it in. Um, you know, for me, I was thinking about anxiety and anger that I'm trying to manage and just, um, what can happen if I'm not, well, what happened with meditation is I felt like I could only take in so much of that mm-hmm. and then in this moment, it was so moment to moment that just breathing out and like processing it in that way was, um, calming compared to you know what I do if I'm unbalanced which is to like let it build and build and build and uh, you know that collapse right <laughs> um, so just having that um, rhythm a um, short kind of like taking it in shortly and moment to moment uh, nice yeah yeah it is a really good description of needing both the in-breath and the out-breath. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Anyone else have a comment here? So just to go back to a little bit about what's been shared, that there are times where it might feel heavy to be breathing in the suffering. And that, um, you know, with that, it's to, to draw it in and to really have that sense as if it's not just landing in one spot that then becomes bogged down. So you're breathing it into spaciousness, into the spaciousness of awareness. Or, you know, sometimes you can even do it breathing it in through all the pores of your body if that helps to decentralize it. Because what's happening is that the, the breathing in is, you know, allowing that to move to find freedom. It's like breathing air into a, a, a something that's been closed off. You know, that sense of opening it up. You know, if in our mindfulness practice we've noticed how when we can allow our feelings to be there without it being wrong that it's there, that just creates this space. 
So in the same way, in a similar way, we're breathing in this suffering and giving it the space to be there. Uh, without judgment, with just allowing, but then the mind reflecting on, wow, you know, that the openness of that, the, you know, even if it's just a temporary sense of openness, or even the potential of openness we can rejoice in. If we feel like that in this moment, I don't actually feel so joyful, but that potential is still there in that moment. And so we're, we're, again, shifting our mind towards our potential in being a human being. And that is worth rejoicing in. And so then from that place of rejoicing, that sense of just like, oh, the sharing. you know. And these are actually natural impulses that we have you know, if we come into contact with suffering and we're not so caught up in I, me, mine, but, you know, we see a small child on the sidewalk who's crying, you know, a sense of wanting to help, wanting to be there, wanting to be present with, to try and alleviate this pain. And that also, you know, if we are, if we're feeling really happy and we're not holding on to it, it's not referring back to me, don't you also want the people around you to be happy? No, so it's, it's, kind of, it's very natural in a sense. And so we're just connecting with these aspects and allowing them to be expansive through this visualization. You know, so it's kind of really expanding our view. But, you know, so if it's feeling heavy, you can, you can look towards the, this in this moment of bringing it in to notice if you're holding in some way and just relaxing, allowing, letting be, and see if that helps to bring more space to it. And then, you know, if in just a little bit of that, send it back out. You know, and uh, often when we talk about appreciative joy, we, we, we really begin to see how you know, if someone, if we can really be with someone else when they're happy, it multiplies the opportunities for happiness. So, you know, it's just whew, that sense of, of giving back or letting radiate out, how, you know, whatever language we might use. Um, you don't need to try to force it. You know, to try to push hard. Connect with it to the degree that you feel like you are. And often the, a big connection comes through the feeling of standing with the suffering. You know, if we, we can imagine what it was like to be in pain at that time, this is really helpful. Or uh, whether it's through the, the seeing or the feeling of that. Or, or for the feeling of what it's like to be shut down. What it's like to, you know, have this amazing potential that we have as human beings and not to be able to access that in a moment. I mean, that's painful. We know it. We know it in our own experience. And so it's connecting with what we know about in our own experience. And then, you know, remembering to take that moment of when we have the sense of pulling it in to rejoice, that it's being alleviated, it's being lifted. We're seeing the clouds part in this way. 
So any questions on that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So equanimity itself has within it the quality, it's a wisdom aspect of the mind where we are not caught in our preferences. We're not caught in being partial. We're not caught in um, liking some people and not liking others. That it, it, it is what makes our loving kindness uh, become immeasurable, become a, being able to extend it to all beings everywhere. It is what br- brings that unconditional aspect to loving kindness or compassion in that we aren't loving to get something back, but we're loving without expectation. Now, so it really opens the mind to, to be the wisdom mind, the balanced mind that can freely offer without expectation of getting something back and that can be all-inclusive. Yeah? Yes? Could you say something about the turning around part? So there's bringing in and then... Yeah? The turnaround in the practice. The turnaround is that moment like where you're seeing all this suffering come into you and then you connect with, ah, it's been alleviated. You know, so what was once painful and confined within a limited perspective has now become free and a rejoicing in that, a joy. And that really brings that quality of, of potential of remembering that potential into the practice. And then it's like that sending that out, but it's really that a sense of rejoicing, um, appreciating, gratitude, oh, you know, for being able to alleviate in this way. Yeah? Is it common to, as, as I was doing this, I found myself it was harder and harder to be in touch with the suffering. You know, it was easier to send out the joy. Also, I realized it was no longer so heavy. Uh-huh. And I, it was like, it, was, it seemed like it was vanishing. I, I was having a hard time coming back to that. Yeah. Is that a common response, or is that something I want to do, or do I want to keep coming yeah. back to that suffering? Yeah. Um. It is a common response, you know, because we can really have a sense of the suffering being diminishing. And that's where if we're continuing the practice and we find that, we can just remember somebody else who's in suffering. You know, so there, there's a good potential here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that will help to keep in that element so that it keeps engaged. Yeah? But it's, you know... It is natural that that happens, yeah. Or can be one of the experiences we have. So I think maybe we are going to begin to expand it, but just to not bring in something new again, we'll do another 10 minutes of working with ourselves so we can you know, work with this mechanic piece of it.
and to know that if it works better for you to, for a period of time, just be working with the breathing in, um, that's fine. And then at some point, switching to the breathing out. And then when you feel to, bringing them together. Okay, so finding a comfortable posture. having a sense of resting, relaxing, being present. And then bringing to mind time in the past where there was some challenge or something in the future. Getting in touch with the contraction, fear, anxiety, aversion, discomfort. Breathing in that suffering, that pain, the distress in the dark, smoky light. Seeing it alleviated, rejoicing. Sending out joy, sense of well-being, and the bright white light to yourself in that situation. Breath can be natural.
If you're feeling tired or disconnected, just let the mind rest again. And coming back to it when you feel refreshed. letting go of the visualization and just resting allowing any feelings that are there to be present
So, how was that? Any questions or comments? Was it a bit easier the second time around? Yes. Um, I had a similar experience about just, I think, the calming effect of the meditation. I just felt pleasant, so I, I found it harder to connect with the story. It didn't seem as frightening anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but then I, um, but then I, try, I tried a little bit more and could connect more with just the feeling of anxiety. And it wasn't so connected with any story, but just actually feeling that anxiety as a real feeling um, made it more real that yeah. I, it was there to connect with me. Yeah. That's a really good point. That you know, to to try and connect with the realness of that suffering or that uncomfortableness, the distress, whatever we want to call it. That's great. Thank you. Yes. I found it harder the second time. Um, I actually, I was getting tired, and then we had said that we were getting tired, like I'm on dress. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like exhausted because I kept trying to focus on the cell phone. And I couldn't do it. But the first time I had a very good experience with people. Mm-hmm. I was on my and saw two very different Yeah. It, you know, it's actually recommended when you first start doing this practice not to do it for long periods of time. And, um, mm, yeah, you can just follow that. It's not a practice you want to force yourself to do. Stay with this, stay with it. Mm, you don't need to. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I call myself uh, Using what? where practice is an exploration. And for me, you know, when I first heard this practice, it took a question, does this have any effect? Is there any benefit from this? And it's a practice that I think, you know, you you try for a while without letting the, the getting too caught up in the intellectual mind of thinking about, well, how could this possibly or or not? I mean, you just seem to hold it as an open question, which is beautiful. Um, but that just to give it time to, to see in our lives, is this helpful to us? Is this a benefit? Um, yeah. That's fine. Yes? Um, I was having trouble despite um, having like a, I had a really hard day yesterday. I mean, it was just yesterday, last night. I had a really t- hard time connecting with it. The, the, it was basically fear, I guess, kind of fear. And I just, both times, 
for whatever reason, I couldn't actually feel it. Couldn't, I couldn't connect it in any real way. And I mean, there was like, and today there was a very specific condition that happened and it made me a lot more lighthearted. And I don't know, I just I don't know if you have anything to say about how to actually find or why wasn't I able to because it's strange that I wasn't able to. Uh-huh. And what did that feel like? Did that just the fact that you weren't able to connect with the, the fear in that moment? Well, I wasn't letting it get to me too much. I mean, it sort of made me feel like I wasn't doing something right. Uh-huh. But, um, uh-huh. And if, if that feeling is there, then you can use the suffering. And we could, might relate it back to other times in our life where we felt like we're just not doing it right. Yeah. And the suffering That wasn't there. super strong, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just was wondering, I guess, if you had any idea about that. Yeah. So as we go on, it's like it might be that sometimes it's easier to connect with the suffering of a, somebody we know and love and we know they're having a difficult time. That that makes it more real. Or it may be that we just, you know, as we move into all beings, that we reflect on that, wow, there's people out there in really difficult circumstances. And that might make it more real. So it, it's a case of seeing what helps it to, to feel real and to feel connected. Yeah? And so this is just one strand of how you can work. Yes? Is it important to have a specific incident or do you just like practice with that just emotion? Uh-huh, yeah. It's... The important part is the connecting with the suffering. And so how you do that can vary. It might be, you know, it might be that you just remember what anger feels like. And so you have a sense of being able to breathe in that anger. And it might not be so strong visually of the situation, but you've connected with the distress that we can feel. Yeah? Yes. I'm kind of embarrassed. Yeah. It's that funny. So we breathe it in, and how does it get it turns around to a leaf? Like, how does that work? You know, we breathe it because there's so much space in the heart that it just naturally. Uh huh. Yeah, sure, no problem. You know, it's that sense of, as if you're watching, you know, I'm going to use a visual image of this just to see if that helps to connect. But so you're watching, you're, you're breathing in, watching the suffering come in, and, and it's coming and it's there. And then as if you're looking at the place where the suffering was and it's gone. And it's joy. So, you know, at the end of the in-breath, it's that sense of, ah, how nice. This is Mingy Rinpoche's word. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> you know, so it's that moment of, oh, look. How wonderful. So breathing in. Breathing in, how, whether it's through strong feeling, whether it's through the visual image, you know, just pulling it in. And then, you know, oh, wow, look at it. It's gone, you know, from where it was. There's a, there's a lightness that comes that... Wow, you know, when something really hurts and then it doesn't hurt anymore, 
Or maybe it's just even sitting with that refrigerator noise and it's, and then it stops. You know, that, ah, that relief. That moment of, ah, something that was difficult. Yeah, there's no room for attachment here. I think that, as a comment earlier, it's like there's something very balancing about doing this. You know, in-breath, out-breath, the breathing in the suffering, the breathing out, the lightness. It's very balancing in some way. somewhat different. And what's important is the connection. Yeah? <laughs> and, and then, you know, it might happen that if we start getting into a whole story around the fire, the, the dragon, then that might be going too far. But just, just, if it's helping us to really connect with the essence of the practice, it's fine. when we really start to feel that so often we don't let ourselves feel that. And, and that right there, it's like that brings that natural movement of heart in the scene. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on and the next time we do this, um, it's going to be for someone that we know so we have some personal connection, and this is, again, to help it to be real. Um, someone we know could be someone close to us whom we know is having a difficult time. Okay? 
So beginning again with a simple awareness. to however our experience is in this moment. Just letting everything be. And then bringing to mind someone whom you know is in a difficult situation, difficult circumstances. Getting a visual image or felt sense of this person. And then just stand in their shoes for a moment. Imagine what they might be feeling. And as you see their suffering, as you taste their suffering, just having a sense of being able to breathe that in, the dark, smoky light, and the breathing this in, they become alleviated of it and rejoicing in this and sending to them in the bright white light a sense of well-being happiness, joy.
once again letting the mind rest as it is. want to share? Was that harder or easier? Easier? Harder? from the imagination that we feel the suffering that we've brought it in and from the imagination we imagine that then now because of that that person is free that person is happy now so you're saying project that person into a space of happiness or visualization of happiness if if that helps you with that sense of oh the alleviation that's fine yes if, if it helps you to to like imagine them being in suffering and then as you're breathing it in you can feel them lightening yes that's fine I guess I'm kind of confused on 
what is the role of this? Because isn't, in all of the meditation that we do is about changing our reactions to what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how does meditating on the suffering of someone else and pretending to alleviate their suffering uh-huh. affect them? Yeah. What is yeah. So the real goal of this practice is to have an open heart that is not afraid and can stand with the suffering in the world. It's to help us to be courageous, fearless. It, uh, this practice is sometimes described as being an, a, a wonderful protection because our own sense of limitation, our sense of contractedness keeps us from really accessing our own innate wisdom, our the quali- from being able to see the qualities of loving kindness and compassion, and that there is an inner transformation that it, it, it turns us towards the potential of our lives and being able to be with that regardless of what's going on around us and to be able to stay present with and connected to in that. Yeah? And so we are using the conceptual mind. We are using imagination. But in a way that you know, many people have found to be helpful, skillful, that um, helps us in the midst of our lives, when we suddenly see something that's happening that's not pleasant, to not have, feel like we have to run away. You know, we're, what we're really working with is going up against that habituated mind of self-preservation, fear, and contractedness. And I really want to emphasize, too, because what you said about you were surprised at how strong the aversion came up that it's not uncommon that we might have strong aversion, fear, um, resistance to doing it. And there is a practice that we won't have time to get to tonight, but is very connected to this, where we can use those emotions as they come up. So, you know, strong aversion comes up. There's kind of a hybrid of this practice where we use the strong emotion that we're experiencing to represent all of the aversion that other people experience. And because we're experiencing it, they can be free of it. And one of the beautiful aspects of that practice is it makes this state, you know, for each of us it could be different. What is the state that we most dislike or don't want to feel? You know, whether it's aversion, maybe self-hatred, maybe it's um, fear. whatever it might be for us that's coming up, guilt, shame, that we let that completely be there and representing that same state in other beings and then our, our state becomes something meaningful. And it, it just shifts the whole mind that we, we don't have to get rid of it, but it's meaningful and, and it's, help, it's helpful. And it, it just it changes the whole tone that we have around these reactions. And so this is a practice that all of those feelings that come up can also be included when they're strong. 
Yes. Um, just to gain some clarity on what you just said, is it not the case that, that um, in the just next time, just a later, we'll be holding somebody else's name or expressing that. The purpose is not that to do a healing. Not to heal the other person. It's really for us to experience openness passion. Ultimately, this practice has come back to working with our own hearts and minds. But we can have that wish that we could do this. Now that's loving kindness, compassion. We love somebody or or you know our heart we go beyond the attachment uh, to people that we love, those we don't dislike. But that we the movement of the heart in seeing pain, I'd love to be able to help you. I would love to it, we don't stand separate when there's suffering. It's more like this is suffering, what can we do about it? So that that um, but with the visualization and the quality of equanimity is in effect a wisdom factor that knows that we can't change another person's karma but we can wish to do so but we do it as if we can you know and that's the same as in our actions in our life we we give the best that we can but without attachment to it And the, the benefit certainly is in that the more at peace and ease we are in our hearts, then that begins to have an effect on the world. But we can't try and fix the world while we have a contracted heart. Okay, so we're going to do one last one together. And this is where we're taking in the suffering of all beings. And so what, again, you want to connect with is the sense of how there is beings in the world in distress. So some people might have more of a visual image of that. For some people, it might be more just a feeling. You know, some, or it might be images. You know, we've seen on TV of people starving, of, of people living in war-torn countries, of people not having enough food, of whatever helps us to connect in with the reality that there are beings in suffering. And so that's what we'll be breathing in. And if it feels too much, if it feels like I can't go that far, that's okay. Don't force yourself. If it feels better to work with something more simple, do that. Or if it feels better to just let your mind rest, that's okay too. There's no forcing needed in this practice. So again, resting in awareness, mindfulness.
then in some way getting in touch with the suffering of living beings it may be of people maybe animals any form of life as you connect with the suffering breathing in letting the breath come into a vast open space where the suffering is alleviated breathing out, radiating a sense of well-being, ease in the bright white light.
And then coming back to simple presence, allowing whatever feelings are there to be there. Just resting in the awareness of this present moment. How are we doing with all things? array of changing circumstances, changing feelings, changing, you know, and if we keep looking for happiness outside of ourselves, that it's like, ah, ah, and, you know, in the practice you're doing, you're touching into that, whoa, this, you know, the, the challenge of that, and that we also then touch into the potential where we don't look for the happiness, we don't look for everything being okay outside of ourselves, but discover that innate wisdom. But there, there it can be a real sense of grief in seeing that we cannot create 
a happy little samsara, as we uh, the cyclic existence, that we can't solidify that and hang on to it in a way where we will feel fulfilled. But that the, the cycle, the, the the other part of that is that there is joy in that that potential is there to be at peace within all of this. Does that make sense? Or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so there can come a great relief in seeing that. We're no longer confined, defined within that. But, but, you know, it's like always connecting into when we're we're caught in in delusion or caught in confusion. How painful that is, and then the potential that the awake mind is free from that. Yes. description. Thank you. share just a personal story here because you know there was a time in my own practice where I felt so in touch with suffering and not personal you know more this universal suffering and it seemed so massive and uh, you know at this point I've been practicing for a number of years but it was just like whoa my goodness how can one ever be happy seeing this and so I was in a situation where I had a number of different teachers in my life, and so I was going to them with the question, well, how can you be happy when this is what's around us? And the response that came back, and I'm generalizing a a few different ways that people said it, is because every being has the potential to be free from that suffering. That what we've do- all done, and what you've even alluded to, is we start to see the self-created prison that we put ourselves in. And that when we actually can begin to see things as they are, that distress goes. And that can even be in the midst of the ups and downs of life, the, the, the difficult situations we find ourselves in. 
you know, the, I know I have um, myself heard some amazing stories of people like being in concentration camps or, or really adverse conditions and having that resilience of heart where they, you know, they don't see the, the person who is causing harm to them as their enemy, but they, they, they can still see the potential that that person has within them. You know, so it's a, it's a shifting of perception that sees the world not bound by um, the, the contracted heart, but a very open and free space that is naturally wise, is naturally loving, is naturally kind. And so this is, for me, it's like being, knowing that, yes, there is this massive suffering. And that's why we don't push this practice too fast, because it's a lot to open to all of that. It's a huge amount to open to all of that. So that's why we go step by step. And as we gain more confidence, we, be, we can open to suffering more and really begin to open to how universal it is when we are caught in confusion. But that the other side of it is, is that we all have this inner potential. Our nature is good. Our nature is whole. It is um, naturally wise. And all we're doing through our practice is removing those obscurations or shifting the way we're relating to our experience to be from that free place. And that every one of those people has that potential. And the more we understand it in our own hearts and minds, the greater the effect is on the world. <laughs> and so do take care that you don't try to open beyond what your capacity is in this moment and that's where honesty is great you know it's like realizing wow this is too much this is depressing thing. this is supposed to help me and I feel like crap <laughs> no you don't need to push but, but as we really see it, and that's where I think it's helpful beginning uh, with ourselves, with someone we love in a simple way, then this, this helps us to gain confidence. And you know, that certainly from, for myself, just beginning in small ways, and I'm going to bring in, just in closing, an even, a very small way that can really be helpful in our lives. And that is just, you know, if we're walking down the street or we're at work and suddenly there is somebody who's in suffering, there's a challenging situation, just for a moment have the sense that you're breathing, breathing in the difficulty and, you know, just wishing well, breathing out. I mean, you don't have to do the visualization, but you're connecting with the suffering and just having a sense that of being able to touch it in that moment. Remember that compassion can be standing with someone in suffering. So in that moment, we're simply not shutting our hearts down. And then just that sense of loving kindness, that wish that whatever this difficulty is, that whoever it is, that they could be happy. And you know, it's just a brief, in the moment, on the spot, wishing to alleviate suffering and that somebody be happy. And just to start to, to play with that in a really simple way. And then notice what happens as you go through life with these short moments 
where we don't turn our back, we stay connected, and what effect it has it on the heart. I just do it as an experiment. You know, and I would encourage you to use these practices as an experiment and like learning anything new. You know, when we first get on a bicycle, what happens? We pedal a quarter of the way around and we topple over and then, you know, we just get back up, you know, and the next time maybe it goes halfway around or goes around twice. We have to learn how to work with this. So give yourself some place to explore it without a strong expectation. I'm going to feel a result from this. But just take it on. You know, I was introduced to a lot of Buddhist practice as a scientific experiment. And then we see what's helpful. Engage it for a while. If you throw it out after first in-breath, oh, I don't feel any better now. <laughs> we'll, we'll just be tossing it. And maybe it's not the right time. That's okay, too. You know, it's not that every practice that we hear is going to be helpful to us. But some of them can. Uh, this one surprised me surprised me really in an unexpected way. And so I'll just give you the invitation to um, try it. See for yourself. And then if it's useful, you can do it. If at some point it feels like, no, I'm just not connecting, that's okay too. Yeah? Okay, so there's the invitation. And... um, I just wish you well on your journey. That uh, whatever practice you do guides you towards this recognition or realization of the freedom of heart, the potential that we all have. And that this becomes, you know, in one sense, the place out of which we live our lives. And with that, you know, I always think of practice as being learning to live on the level of the relative where yes, there is um, things that are happening that are very brutal or difficult. Being able to see that, engage with it, and act within it, but from that wisdom that is not bound. That wisdom that is, has that view that we all have within us this innate goodness. So I thank you for being here tonight and for this willingness to explore what sometimes can be tumultuous territory. So thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.